This content is for institutional investors and information purposes only. It does not contain investment, financial, legal tax or any other advice and should not be relied upon for this purpose. The materials are not tailored to your particular, personal and or financial position. If you require advice based on your specific circumstances, you should contact a professional advisor. Opinions expressed are those of the speakers as of the date of publication, are subject to change without notice and do not necessarily reflect Mercer's opinions. Hi, welcome to Mercer's Critical Thinking, Critical Issues podcast. I'm Kara Williams, Mercer's Global Head of ESG and Sustainability. We're doing a series of podcasts here on LinkedIn, where we're exploring the ways that corporations are, are thinking about diversity and how they're applying that to, to their strategies. And as we started thinking about the subject, we actually started to think about what is actually happening along the supply chain and how much are, you know, how are corporations even thinking about uh, diversity within their supply chain? Can an organization even truly be diverse if their supply chain is not? This sparked us to really think about how best to shine light on this important topic. So for today, we've invited a couple of colleagues as well as one of our clients to come and talk to us um, about their, th their thoughts around this topic. So I'd like to welcome Kevin Davidson, former CEO of BMW Ireland, Phil Stiles, partner with Mercer and diversity supply chain leader, and James Krask, head of strategic risk consulting at Marsh. Thanks very much for joining us today, gentlemen, and I look forward to the conversation. And if I can actually just um, start with you, James, you know, organizations have been impacted by a broader set of risks in their supply chains, um, particularly recently. We've been reading about that a lot in the press. Can you give any insights into why there seems to have been more disruption in our supply chains? Yeah, thank you, Cara. Yeah, we've certainly seen a lot of disruption, particularly over the last um, last two years. And there's lots of factors at, at, at play, play here, but but probably the, the the simplest way to describe this is that our supply chains have become much much more complex than than they once they once were, and that's partly down to globalization and the way that we're exposed to risks on the other side of the planet that perhaps we weren't previously. It's also down to um, the emergence of uh, just in time type sourcing that, uh, that that increases the level of risk from a disruption point of view if there's any break along the supply chain. And obviously, we've also seen lots of macro risks materializing. So COVID, Ukraine, um, a whole bunch of other um, a whole bunch of other issues that that that, that all of us are, are grappling with. Um, and I think all of that has um, just reinforced uh, certainly my view that that most organizations just don't know enough about their supply chains below the tier one level, the suppliers that they are um, on a day-to-day -day basis um, liaising with and, and have a contract with. It's at the lower down levels within the supply chain that we're seeing more risk. Um, and those risks are invisible to organizations. And so when a disruption happens, it seemingly comes out of the blue and it feels like uh, you're on the back foot to, uh, to, 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 to the crisis. Super. Thanks very much for that. And you know, I think the um, the complexity of the supply chain is already difficult enough to to manage as is. Right now, we're we're adding on an additional lens, if you will, and and looking at diversity as a you know potential, certainly um, a reputational risk um, as an organization, but also there could be broader risks. 
Kevin, in, in your role when you were leading BMW um, Ireland, just in, in the main, I mean, first of all, how were you thinking about diversity? Um, and you know, were you even thinking about including diversity in your supply chain um, when you were in that role? So, Cara, it's a really great question because BMW Group has a strategy uh, on diversity. It actually forms part of a, a wider strategy on responsibility, which also brings in uh, diversity, inclusion, and sustainability. Um, it's really important to the company because the goal is to reduce CO2 by 40% uh, through to 2030. And to do that, we have to get all suppliers really lined up um, because the overall goal is, is reuse, reduce, recycle, renew. And uh, then it, locally, it's up to each of the markets to ensure that the local activities underpin uh, the overall strategy on re- responsibility. So as CEO at BMW Ireland, we took this on board and had a local strategy and we created programs to support the strategy. A couple of examples, um, we worked with a company called Picker Pals, who is a partnership uh, with Irish schools uh, to increase awareness of children uh, whilst having fun uh, litter picking. And they're now in 50% of Irish schools and we provide them with mobility. And also in many, uh, uh, we uh, created a tiny forest. Uh, so we planted a forest of new trees uh, to support the environment. Just a couple of examples locally of how it cascades uh, from the centre in Munich out to the markets. I, I love the idea that you, the supply chain actually can go beyond just kind of dealing with your vendors, right? Like, how can you actually use your your supply chain to to do good as well? I mean, I think I think it's actually quite unique. Um, I don't know a lot of firms that, that have done that. Um, now, Phil James had mentioned um, you know the complexity about looking below tier one, right? That it seems like most organizations have tier one kind of in hand. Um, it, it'd be great to get a sense of of you just your thinking and, and your experience on helping clients. I think first and foremost with, with tier one, like it'd be great to understand like how you're working with clients on the tier one, but then how, how, how and is it even feasible to deal with the, the next level? Um, and when you start to get down to sort of your smaller, your smaller vendors and then the vendors. Yeah. Vendors. yeah Karen, thanks. Um, so what, what I've seen in the marketplace is that um, early on when people talked about tier one, everyone ran strictly to, janitorial, IT, landscaping, staffing, things of that nature, because those were easy. You kind of stayed away from professional services. To your point, because people really didn't understand that space, those were the more the critical um, areas within corporations, so they kind of ran from it. What's happened, the shift has happened is the, the, the shareholders, the board of directors, the consumers have all said, what about professional services? So now when you look at professional services, hence the seat that I sit in within Mercer, um, our clients at Mercer have asked us to subcontract out. Uh, What do I mean by that is that they're saying is that we understand who Mercer is. We understand you guys are number one in the world in consulting, but we also understand that there are a lot of diverse firms that have that experience, retired executives um, and, and people of that nature that have that ability. And we'd love for Mercer to partner with them. Hence how we launched the specialty practice at Mercer, the Inclusive Professional Network. And what they have done is they put the the onus on Mercer to find those great partners. Um, and we've done extremely well. We put processes and procedures in place. And now what we're seeing in the marketplace is other firms, other in, in professional services, 
even outside of insurance, um, even in, in the venture capital space, et cetera, uh, M&A space, they're all now being mandated to subcontract out to smaller, diverse firms because they're out there. They have the ability. It's just a matter of you reaching out to them. That's really interesting. And now, so Phil, you you are our only um, only representative sitting in the United States. You know, so I, I think um, you know it is just sort of anecdotally, it sure feels like somebody sitting in, in the UK that you know US is probably uh, way ahead of the rest of the world as far as sort of the DEI focus and that lens. Um, I was just wondering if if you're working at all or you've had any experience or done any reading around you know how that's kind of potentially rolling out outside of the United States. Yeah, what we're finding is that um, it's slowly going outside the United States to UK to Canada, but diversity is different in every country. And believe it or not, every corporation, no matter where they're at, looks at diversity differently. Um, so there's no broad range of, which is why I love what we're doing. You have to understand that diversity encompasses everything um, from minority-owned, women-owned, LGBTQ, veterans, et cetera. It's a matter of what's important to that particular country, that particular organization within the country itself. Um, it is starting to come to UK. UK is starting to pick up on it. There are lots of companies that do business in the UK. The difference is when you talk to them, it's a matter of defining how do they want to um, approach that particular um, situation as far as for subcontracting. And again, it is not equal across the board. Uh, the UK is starting to have conferences where there are a lot of companies that are sending representatives over to the UK uh, to participate in the conference, to educate themselves um, from the U.S., the difference between the U.S. and, and diversity versus what's diversity in the U.K. Um, and I think it's going to be widely accepted once it's uh, uh, rolled out even more. Thank you very much. James, it'd be great to get a sense of uh, sort of the global view as well. I mean, we've got CSRD coming out, regulation um, you know, predominantly focused on, on Europe, which luckily, and I think rightfully, not only takes into account um, you know, the, the environment, but now is also taking into account more of the diversity. Are you seeing sort of trends like like that and you know, broadening outside maybe of, of Europe and, and just some of your thoughts around um, around that as a, a global expansion on, on these concerns? I th yeah, I think we're at the beginning of a revolution in the way that <clears throat> organizations think about their, their supply chains. Um, and if you, if I go back to 2011, that, you know, the terrible earthquake and tsunami in Japan, that was the wake up call for the automotive industry that they had issues within their supply chain that were hidden and needed to be managed, um, more, more effectively. We had to kind of roll forward to COVID to get that wake up call for everybody else. But now it is firmly on every board's agenda in terms of uh, thinking about the disruption that could be caused by supply chain failures. So the natural next step from that is trying to understand whether as an organization is you know whether they're exposed to any risks deep within the supply chain that perhaps come as you know part of some of the new regulations around social kind of impact and climate impact and we're seeing more and more clients kind of asking those kind of questions are we doing any harm through our supply chains deep within our supply chains not just at the tier tier one level um that that we wouldn't be proud of as an organization and once we understand if that is happening and where that might be happening, what do we do about it? And that all starts with data. Start, start, starting with that, uh, disco yeah, discovering what the supply chain actually looks like below below the hood, um, so to speak. Um, and you've quite the, you know, rightly identified one piece of legislation on 
yeah, that's 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 looking at this this area. There's more coming down the track, and I think uh, more organisations going to be thinking this way going forward. Oh, that's really interesting. Now, obviously, um, Kevin um, James just referred to. Well, I, I like the, uh, the the cute pun. Um, looking under the hood, specifically for the automotive industry. Um, obviously, the complexity of the vendor and the sort of su- the supply chain is pretty intense. Probably one of the most intense of all industries. Um, how did you manage it while while you were there? I mean, obviously, Germany had had a piece, but you also had a piece that you had. And as James says, you know, just the the maybe the the, the restrictions on data and and the and the ability to to access the data that you maybe need to in order to make the decision. Sort of, what was your sort of work working days like around around these issues as you're trying to manage a really complex um, supply chain yourself? I mean, James went back to 2011 in his example, but we saw a, a good example uh, during the um, uh, the COVID period when uh, when also. Last year, um, uh, Russia invaded the Ukraine, and ninety percent of the wiring harnesses for uh, automotives were actually made in the Ukraine, and a lot of the supply chains weren't even set up. Um, and a lot of the staff that were working in the factories were then were then actually fighting uh, fighting against Russia uh, for the Ukraine. So there had to be a restaffing uh, of uh, of uh, that particular supplier and a widening of the supply chain at pretty short notice, um, and I think pretty pretty much uh, there was many uh, automotives that were impacted by that. Um, but uh, it, what was really impressive, looking at it from a market perspective, was the speed. Changing a supplier can sometimes take years in automotive. But actually, changing uh, changing that supply chain was done with amazing speed that I'd never actually seen before, um, and that was particularly impressive. And I think it, it goes to prove that the world is is actually a small place, and access to data and information can help the multinationals in expanding that uh, supply chain in a in a diverse way um, at short notice. Super, thank you. And is it? I I think we're 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 getting close to to the near end of our time. But James, I'd like to get a sense from you. Um, you know, if you were to to be speaking to um, maybe not uh, you know, may, maybe not someone as sophisticated as a BMW. Um, but you know, a, a, any other organization, sort of a smaller end that that's you know thinking about supply chain and and you know, for you. If you're going to list sort of the top three reasons to be focused on on your supply chain, it'd be really helpful just to get some of some of your reviews. And it doesn't have to be three. If, if it's less than that or more than that, that's absolutely fine too. It'd be more. Um, I think, uh, yeah, top top three reasons. I've, I've already mentioned some of these already, but, but one is we don't collectively, and this is particularly true of smaller organizations, know enough about our supply chains. We don't know who our suppliers' suppliers are. So if we don't know who they are, how do we expect to be on the front foot to, to disruption? So if you're in that space, that's, that's most definitely an area of, um, of, of focus. I think also then looking at, you know, sort of taking that a bit further and thinking about the resilience capabilities that you need to have in place should something go wrong. Um, and that touches on sort of all sorts of, uh, all sorts of, um, 
areas of expertise within within the organization. The likes of you know BMWs and the other big OEMs will have all of that pretty much nailed down, but other organizations won't necessarily um, have the, the the advantage of all of the resources to throw at something like that. And finally, coming back to some of, some of what Phil was saying, thinking about how you can align your supply chain with the with your organization's overall values, your company values, because that's what's going to drive your particular flavor for um, for diversity, I would think, um, and uh, and drive the agenda through uh, through the supply chain that way. Thanks. And then, Phil, I'm just going to um, say I, I'd love for you. Obviously, the alignment with values is 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 a critical reason to be looking at uh, diversity within your supply chain. But surely they've got to be some business reasons too. So, um, I the, 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 this is I'm giving you the floor to to pitch. What what? Why should we think about diversity when we're looking at our supply chains? I, I will say with James, um, he hit it spot on. So the other part of the arm that we have within Mercer is a consulting practice that goes in and looks at that, that supply chains for corporations. What we found with the clients we have so far is, to his point, they don't really understand what they have. They know what they have at the top levels but not really understanding what's at the bottom. So the competitiveness um, is there, which helps them with competitive pricing, but also discovering new vendors that can bring new value. So for us, it's helping them truly understand top to bottom what they have within the mix. Um, for an example, um, I talked about staffing. A lot of companies have four or 500 staffing firms, not realizing that you can consolidate that down to maybe 25, but you can get better competitive pricing all across the board, and you can get quality. Um, so you're looking to get more quality than quantity. Unfortunately, a lot of companies feel that your quantity is better. So we we kind of have conversations with them, show them different studies, reports, things of that nature to talk about how to consolidate things and and, and look at things better. So um, I believe that the future is going to be very bright with diversifying the supply chain. I think that a lot of companies are truly now trying to understand what they have and they hacking how they can be more effective. Super, thank you. Well, on that note, um, I'd like to say if, if people have like like what they've heard or are curious want to learn more about managing their supply chain in all aspects, um, then please do uh, like and subscribe. And um, and you can always reach out to your local Mercer representative. Otherwise, email at ctci. So that's uh, Charlie Tango, Charlie I at Mercer.com. dot